This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.35 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wang Xiaoning and Philip C. In half an hour, we have the breakfast grill. What scintillating conversations are we going to have today, Phil? This one's going to be good because I'm going to be speaking to Catherine Judge. <laughs> is She's, it because you're doing it or is it because it's an excellent book? It's nothing to do with me. It's okay. the book because I read the book and it's an incredible book. It's the book called Direct, The Rise of the Middleman Economy and the Power of Going to the Source. I mean, when I read it, it kind of opened my mind up to just that the middleman has such a big role to play. And when you think about the e-commerce players, the banking industry, the real estate market, they're everywhere, right? And to a certain extent, they yield so much influence and power on the consumer. And for good or bad, they are here to stay. But how can we as, you know, consumers and users learn their power and actually even use it to harness to our advantage? All right. That sounds like a, a pretty interesting conversation and very timely indeed, given the discussions about middlemen that are taking place in our economy here. So stay tuned for that after the 8 a.m. news bulletin. Now, though, we are turning our attention to what's happening over in Europe. Today marks one year since the outbreak of war in Ukraine, when 200,000 Russian troops were sent to the country, aiming to demilitarize and denazify the country, according to President Vladimir Putin. What was envis- envisaged as a short special military operation by Moscow has run for 12 months now with no end yet in sight. So in September last year, Russia claimed to have annexed four provinces in southeastern Ukraine, although control over these territories remain contested. Estimates put Russia currently in control of some 17% of Ukraine territory and in recent months suffered losses in Kharkiv and Kherson, which forced a retreat. Despite setbacks, President Putin in his latest State of the Nation address this week blamed Western countries and the Ukrainian elite for the protracted conflict and has maintained that the military operations are to protect Russian sovereignty. What is the endgame for Moscow? His Excellency Nail Latipov, Ambassador of the Russian Federation to Malaysia, joins us this morning to answer this question. Ambassador Latipov, good morning and thank you for joining us today. Now, Russia's self-termed special military operation has dragged on for a year and counting now, longer than initially anticipated. What accounts for this extended timeline? Did Russia miscalculate its initial plans? Yes, uh, good morning. Uh, Thank you for calling. And uh, first of all, I would like to stress that I appreciate uh, having this opportunity to say a few words about the current Ukrainian crisis and uh, to present some points of view of uh, what is going on uh, in Ukraine. And uh, you see, I would like to stress that it's uh, very important for us uh, because uh, not only Malaysian mass media, but uh, mass media in different countries of the world are dominated with uh, Western narratives because uh, it's, uh, I think, quite uh, obvious that uh, Western uh, mass media is dominated in different uh, countries uh, in the world. Uh, I hope uh, your listeners and you remember the history of uh, Russian TV station and Russian news agencies Putnik, we tried to establish these radio stations and TV station and uh, news agency in uh, Europe and the United States. And when, uh, when these uh, stations uh, and news mass media became uh, popular, they realized that uh, that's some kind of threat for the uh, threat for their narratives, and they just prohibited the working of uh, this uh, RT and Sputnik United States and uh, European countries, even in Baltic countries. Uh, some our correspondents. Uh, 
uh, was arrested. And uh, you see, um, in this uh, mainstream narrative, uh, we appreciate it uh, that sometimes uh, very sensible, uh, sensible and neutral um, attempts of uh, Malaysian experts experts um, uh, who tried to objectively um, uh, analyze um, this uh, situation. I think we take your point, yes, uh, but maybe you can address the question in terms of why has the war gone on for so long? called it war, but you see, we called it a special military operation, and in fact, it was an attempt, from, from our point of view, it was an attempt to stop the Ukrainian civil war was uh, launched uh, by the Kiev regime in 2014 and uh, against their own people who lived in the Russian-speaking people who lived in the eastern part of the country. You should know that maybe one-third of the Ukrainian population uh, were Russian-speaking. They are Russians. And uh, the Kiev regime launched the war against his own people. Of course, I don't know the initial plans of um, our uh, president or minister of defense. I don't know... Uh, did they plan it will be for a long time or it will be a short time operation? But you see, in fact, uh, after the beginning of this military operation, the military potential of the uh, Kiev regime was uh, demolished in the few phase, uh, first week of uh, our operation. And But then the collective phase, especially United States and NATO allies and uh, allies supply Kiev with uh, different weapons and ammunition. And it's allowed Kiev uh, troops to uh, resist. As you see, United States, it's a clear fact that United States and uh, Europeans um, uh, supply uh, Ukrainian forces with intelligence information and uh, As- coordinate uh, the targets for their missiles attacks. Okay, so uh, can I then ask, what is Moscow's ultimate look- looking to achieve? In this effort, you see, uh, you see uh, I think that uh, our um, aims uh, at uh, Ukraine is quite clear. First of all, demilitarization and denazification of this country, and the elimination of the existential threat, uh, threat to our security. You see, Kiev was planning to become the part of NATO, and it means that uh, American uh, missiles will appear on their territory. Soon, it, uh, only from between Kiev and Moscow, it's only 400 kilometers. And that means that if these rockets, missiles will be launched, they can reach uh, our territory, our capital in three, five minutes. I take your and point, it, Ambassador. Um, sorry for interrupting. Yeah. But if I may, uh, the, the Russian um, special military operation, as you termed it, has actually driven more European countries to join NATO. We see Sweden and Finland submitting their applications for NATO. So if the idea was to protect Russia from um, a NATO invasion, perhaps uh, that has backfired, No. Yes, you see, we know we are witnessing the fact that uh, some countries, uh, namely Finland and uh, uh, Sweden, yes, they're joining NATO. But you see, uh, before this, some uh, three Baltic states joined the NATO. But you see, Finland, uh, Sweden, uh, Baltic uh, states, they never declared that uh, Russia is the hostile state for them. They now declare that their plan is to demolish Russia, to uh, launch a defeat to our country. But what, uh, please <laughs> remember what the uh, Ukrainian authorities say. They are saying that the, they, uh, their main uh, enemy is uh, Russia. I can uh, remind right. to your listeners that the first uh, law which was adopted in Kiev after the uh, coup d'etat, which was uh, occurred with the help of the United States, this was abolish of Russian language in Ukraine. 
Okay. Can you imagine, for example, for that for some ambassador? It's difficult to imagine, for yeah, example, that some uh, Malaysian government which uh, prohibited using Chinese language in uh, Malaysia. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I just want to just focus a bit about the outcome of this war. So you have built your case for it, but if you look at the results of this war, eight thousand innocent civilian lives have been killed, as reported by the United Nations. Is this war still worth it? Uh, you see, uh, a lot, a lot of civilians uh, became the victims of the war. But we see, we should uh, initiated remember. by Russia. <laughs> you see, but uh, this war began in 2019, and the Western mass media don't report uh, report nothing about the victims uh, in the eastern parts of uh, uh, Ukraine from 2014 to 2022. Ukrainian troops every day were uh, sheltering uh, Donbass and Lugansk region. Anybody reported about these victims? I'm and sh- I would like to stress that our military operation was, uh, we used force to stop this civil war in Ukraine. Mr. Excuse me, sorry for interrupting, yeah. Ambassador. I'm sure there are civilian deaths on both sides. But, I'll, you know, what is, what is the end game for Russia? What's going to bring Russia to the to find a diplomatic solution to this crisis? What would it take for Russia to come to the negotiation table? <laughs> you see, the issue is that uh, we launched uh, peace talks with uh, Ukrainian government, and this uh, talks was launched in March uh, 2022. We have uh, four rounds of uh, talks in uh, Belarus and then in Istanbul, and you see, actually, we reach uh, the draft. We, we were able to create a draft agreement. We put in this agreement uh, very important things for us. First of all, uh, our security. But then they suddenly uh, stopped these uh, negotiations and uh, refused to continue it. And to understand that there was a uh, the reason why they do this. Okay. Why so, they did it. So, your excellency, when I hear when I hear you. you yeah, you're saying that actually diplomatic negotiations are not going to work. Is that why now President Vladimir Putin has announced he's suspending Russia's participation in the New START Treaty? Is this all going to end up with Russia using nuclear arms in the conflict? No, no, no. You see, uh, we are ready to continue the peace talks. We were ready to continue, but our Ukrainian partners refused. And you see, in this connection, I uh, would like to remind you one fact. Maybe you listeners haven't heard about it, that in... Uh, January this year, from six to seven, we proposed to have uh, uh, one two-day ceasefire because on the seven and uh, six, uh, Russians and Ukrainians are celebrating uh, Orthodox Christmas Eve, but <laughs> they refuse to do this. And- All right. Um, Ambassador, thank you very much for speaking with us today. That was His Excellency Nail Latipov, Ambassador of the Russian Federation to Malaysia, giving us uh, his thoughts on why the war is, uh, why the special military operation, as they term it in Ukraine, is continuing um, and really uh, what it would take for it to end. I think uh, still a lot of unanswered Mm. questions in a way. And the prop, I think the, the disconnect here is that his perception is that this is a long escalation, that it didn't start last year, right. that he's kind of extending it to what happened six, seven years ago, right? 2014. In 2014 onwards. So this is part of a bigger saga that I think is the Russian narrative towards this war. All right, 7.47 a.m. We will be hearing from the Ukrainian side later on after the 8.30 a.m. news bulletin. We are heading into a quick break now, though, and we're going to come back with a look at what Budget 2023 could hold for Malaysian youth. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. 
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.